You are now listening to the Dream Loud Podcast. Join us as we explore the significance of following your dreams. We hope you'll enjoy the ride. Welcome once again to another episode of the Dream Lab Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Benjamin Hall, here with my co-host, Dan Schifo. Yo, what's going on, everyone? Hey, guys. So we're yeah. at episode 68. Episode 68. Uh, for you Penguin fans, you are Yager. Of course. And uh, if not, you know, if there's still bad blood, it's episode 68. In the end, we'll remember him, you know, his, positively. His, his number will be in the rafters. That's right. Yeah. It will. It's not right. yet? No, not yet. Oh, wow. Well, it will two. eventually. Yeah. It will eventually. Uh, yeah, we're interviewing another guest today, somebody I've reconnected with after years and years and years uh, through, th- uh, thanks to his daughter, uh, was able to reconnect to him again. So let's welcome to the show, Jeremy Rowe. Thank you for being on. Thank you guys thanks, for Jeremy. having me very much. Kind of sprung it on you last second, but Yeah, you we know. appreciate it, but I, well, well, heck, like, <laughs> I think it's been fantastic, like, We've been talking for maybe an hour off Yeah, already, mic, yeah. And it's been fantastic, you know, like I, it's been outstanding regardless. I mean, talking about, you know, your your church that you're planning, talking about your history drumming. I mean, just the whole the whole gamut. I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited yeah. with and without Mike. I'm really excited fantastic. too because, you know, Jeremy's the real deal. He's gone sure. to Nashville, you know, played drums for tours and stuff like that and kind of seen the inner working. So it's just cool to to talk to somebody else who's kind of done their dream sure, and, sure. and done that. And, you know, you're, you're on like the other side of that now. And I'm sure that you can even talk about this today, but you've got new dreams that have probably developed from that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> definitely lots of new dreams. Um, uh, sometimes uh, God calls you to do things and you kind of scream and yeah. yell and try to go the other way. And it's, you know, it never works out. So just stop trying if that's right. what you're doing. But don't fight against the yeah, current, right? Swimming yeah. upstream, and you'll yeah. never win. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, you, uh, you just there's so many people out there with with dreams that they just uh, they they think are dead. Yeah, you know, and they think that uh, they can't accomplish anymore. Maybe they've never been blessed with the resources that somebody else might right. be blessed with, or what have you. And here's the thing, you know, if 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 you stop dreaming, to be honest with you, you stop living. Yeah. You know, and for me as a pastor, um, there are people that are sitting at home right now that have stopped dreaming. Sure. And they've stopped believing uh, in, in what they know God has put inside of them. And so they just kind of leave it alone and just go about their nine to five. And Man, this will and, never happen. That's sort yeah, of the deal. I mean, that's, yeah, just, right. that's it. Right. So, so part of um, this church plant that we're doing uh, is really focused on people that uh, have never been asked by a pastor before. Yeah. What are your dreams? What are your hopes? What has God put on your heart? What are your desires? Uh, and so let's make that happen. And an example is maybe you go to church and you've been a, a part of children's ministry before, right? Sure. And the church says, well, we need a children's minister. We're going to fit you into this hole right here. Yeah, right. Right. Instead of taking time with that person and saying, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are your goals? What are your passions? What are your desires? What does God put on your heart? What do you want to do? How do you see children's ministry? How is it different for you? Okay, now let me reshape my children's ministry for your shape. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's and an interesting you, you concept. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, As opposed to what I think it should yeah, be. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So how has God constantly reached generation after generation, right? We have to be fluid. 
he's not going to change who he is. His word never changes, but we have to be fluid in a way that we understand that culture changes, society changes, the yeah. way we reach people changes, needs change, right? And so we be all things to all people, not compromising the gospel or Jesus, but we put people into places to succeed, you know, and then you get excited again. You start to live again. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about, you know, sure. when you get to do what you love to do. Right. I get to be who I'm supposed to be. It's like everything's working. Yeah. I'm firing on all cylinders. It, it does make a lot of sense to me. And when you were just saying that, it reminded me a lot of one, one of the old chemistry companies that I used to work for. And towards the end of my tenure there, one of the new things they were trying to do, <coughs> they were trying to implement a new process where they legitimately wanted everybody in like certain groups in the organization to be an interchangeable part. And I understand the like value of that from a company standpoint, because they wanted to make sure (laughs) if I was out or on vacation, somebody else could be plugged right in. Sure. But practically it doesn't, if you understand that everybody's so different than everybody else, it doesn't make sense because I have a unique set of skills you should want to optimize that and right. make me and everybody else in the group maybe some overlap, but very specialized in what they do. You're gonna even if that person's out of the You're office, not a robot. they're still gonna be working fifty weeks a year. Yeah. You're gonna get so much more out of that. So what you're talking about makes a lot of sense to me instead of being trying to make everybody fit the same cog in the wheel. Yeah, and I think that that's why people stop going to church anymore. Yeah. You know, is not that they don't love Jesus anymore. It's just that I'm so tired of what the North American church has become. And it's not, it's not what the Bible says it's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah, right? right. So, um, so yeah, that to me, it's just, it's exciting. It's exciting to watch, uh, my gosh, there's so much to tell about it. Uh, the different things that are, uh, that are on our heart that are, that are, that we're thinking about just a quick example. So uh, I, I met a guy that's uh, into fitness, right? Um, awesome. Met a guy, he's, he's a, a coach for a high school football team. Uh, he's into personal training, all those things came to uh, one of the, um, uh, the roots groups, which is kind of like a home group type yeah. thing. Right. But, but the concept is, have you been planted? Right. Sure. So, have I been planted in a group of people? Have I got myself rooted in, in Christ again? Have I got myself rooted in my brothers and sisters again? Right. That sort of thing. And so this guy came and he's with his family and he's just not sure about church anymore. He's not sure about, you know, being a part of that anymore. Loves Jesus, but man, I just, I'm tired of the you know, yeah. church is falling apart, you know, yeah, right. that sort of thing. And so uh, he starts telling me a little bit about his passions. And I said, huh, so roots fitness, and he kind of like tilts yeah, his yeah. head, right? So in other words, how can I use my desire for fitness and being a coach and being a part of, you know, that sort of world? How, how You mean I could use that in church? Right, right. Well, yeah, because we all still need to be in shape, right? Sure. Um, we all still like want to be active. So yeah. what if we built a big gymnasium, got some equipment one day for you, and you're able to do what you love to do, get paid for it, and also be in a ministry situation that you never thought possible. Mm, like that's, that's, really cool. that's the idea. Is it about, is it just about finding your passion in general for anyone who might be, you know, just finding your passion and living it out? Yeah. Kind I of think, giving it back. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, listen, I don't think anybody is firing on all cylinders or happy or operating at the fullest extent that they're capable of. If they're doing something that they 
aren't called to do yeah. or if they don't love to do. And yeah, I mean, sometimes in life we just, we have to make money, right? Sure, and definitely. we got to do something just to, you know, get to that point where we can have that conversation mm-hmm. to do what we love to do. But, you know, when you get to do that thing that you were created to do, when you get to be a part of something greater than yourself that you love to be a part of, you want to get up in the morning. You yeah. want to go and be a part of it. You yeah. want to be around those people that you've been planted with because they're integral to, you know, to who you are, sure. you yeah. know, um, and you're fulfilled when you're giving back uh, to the community. But I challenge that to say, not just stopping there, but you're, you're, you're more fulfilled when you're giving back to your creator, to God. Right? Sure. So when I'm giving back to him, there's, there are biblical principles there that say that he will bless me. If I'm obedient to him, he can't help but bless me. Yeah. It's an awesome concept. It's an awesome principle that is a principle and a promise for every single one of us. You know, so yeah, when you find your, your gift and your calling and your, you know, what you're passionate about, you get to do that every day. Absolutely. You're, it's fantastic. Yeah. What if you're, you know, like maybe I'm here, I, I know what I'm passionate about. I know what my call, you know, calling is, but like, maybe I'm, I'm struggling with, I'm, I'm, I'm facing closed doors and facing brick walls, man, I'm really passionate about this, but I just can't get over the hump or it's stuck. Maybe, you know, any, any, for anyone who might be in those situations, um, any advice for, for that, man, I'm really passionate about, you know, whatever they might be passionate about, but they're just kind of stuck or maybe stuck in a rut or, or can't get to maybe where they might think they are supposed to be there. But yeah, go, but, go on. but yeah. no, that's, that's, that's truly kind of where it is. Right. So there's, there's so many scriptures, guys that seek first mm. the kingdom of God and, and then, yeah, yeah. and then all of these things will be added to you. Right. Well, what are those things? Well, those things are what you're supposed to be doing in life. You're what you're passionate about, who you're supposed to marry, where you're supposed to go to school, finances, so on and so on and sure. so on. So if I'm seeking all of those things first, and then when I have time, if I have time, I'm seeking the kingdom of God, it's backwards. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's never going to work. You're going against the, the principle that God has in place. So if you're putting things before God, it's never going to work. So the Proverbs tells us that a wise man dreams, but an even wiser man allows God to plan the steps to those dreams, mm. right? So it's about his timing. It's about not pushing down doors, man. In music, yeah. I pushed down doors. Sure. I would I would like a bulldog run through doors that I wasn't supposed to run through because I was going ahead of God, yeah. right? And so then I would add months and months and months of, of repair yeah. in relationships yeah. or repair in whatever because I've messed up that timing, you know? So I wasn't seeking sure. God's direction first, right? I wasn't cultivating my relationship with Jesus Christ first, and allowing him to put that door in front of me and turn that knob and just let me walk through it. How hard is it to find that patience sometimes? I'm still it, finding you know, it. I mean, that's, I'm still <laughs> looking for it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, he's definitely, man, he's taught me lessons and I'm in one right now, you know? And yeah. Um, it's not a, so this church thing is not about me. I might be the pastor, right. but it's not about me. It's about looking at somebody like Ben here in the midst of his studio where I know his heart is huge. Sure. He wants to touch the world with this. I can sense it. And looking at him and saying, how do I put him in a place to succeed and take my hands off of it sure, sure. and leave him alone? Right. That's my heart. 
I, I don't want to say, hey, Ben, let's go do this. Yeah, Let yeah. me put you in this place, but I'm going to put, I'm going to keep my hand on you the whole time. Right. That's the wrong idea. It's to yeah. guide him in the direction that he wants to go and that we know God is leading him and push. Sure. Right. And that's to me, I love, love, love mm. watching that happen. Every single one of us has been given a gift. A lot of people don't know how to extract that gift or right. even to understand what that gift is. I'm not sure what is my gift. What, yeah, right. I, what was I created for? Oh man. Yeah. Right. So everyone here in the room, everyone listening. Right. Yeah. Right. So the easy thing to do is to say, what are my passions? So skip the gifts first yeah. and say, okay, what am I passionate about? Because chances are the God that created you created those passions inside of you somewhere in those passions are buried the gifts that he's given you. So if you can extract the passions, then apply the gifts, really what that's about is giving back to the Heavenly Father, which gives him glory when your gifts are used. Mm. So we're always about, so is it about the talent? Yeah, it's about extracting right. the talent that God gave you so that you can give glory back to him. So how do non-Christians, how can they find Jesus? How do they see Jesus? We'll sure. by our love for each other. But it's by our, it's by us using our gifts. Like, so what is different about those people? Why are they yeah, so yeah. excited? Why are they so happy? Well, because they're doing what they were called to do, right? Sure. So you've heard people say, well, you know, I'm doing what I love to do, uh, so I've never worked a day in my life. Right, right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So if I look at Ben, who's got this wonderful setup here and is obviously passionate and gifted in sound and, sure. and, and producing and then musically and all those different things, if he could wake up every morning use those gifts, get paid for them, right. and at the same time be able to minister and see people come to know who Jesus is through what he's loving to do instead of going to make coffee every day. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. He's a different person. He's a happier person. Absolutely. He's a fulfilled person. He's a person that is like, oh my gosh, I get to teach what I know and pass right, it right. on to the next generation and be able to make awesome music with awesome musicians. And we get to talk about Jesus and we get to do all these things. I get to be a part of a church family. I get to put my roots of who I am into Jesus again sure. and into people again. So the concept of what we're doing is what we think we're going to call it is late trope roots with a kingdom focus of saying, well, where do you go to church? Well, I have late trope roots or I have Houston yeah, yeah. roots or I have Sacramento roots or I have so that what that is means something. Um, there's a standard there that's right. followed. So if I plant a church in Sacramento, my roots are here. Right. Yeah, it's right. the same as planting my roots in late trope. Like there's that standard of, yeah. of the, the business side of, of church, right. With that model. But you know, people have said, well, how do we reach millennials today? Well, millennials want to be a part of something. Yeah. They want to be a part of a cause, right? They want mm -hmm. to be a part of a task force. I mean, that's really where they find their identity right now. Well, what greater identi identity do we have than in Jesus? So if we can give them identity with the passions and gifts that they've been given, they never even knew before, get them to know who Jesus is and give them that greatest identity ever, they're excited. The mission fields can't hold all the people that will be running into them to, to right. do what they're called to do, right? Yeah. Because they're being given purpose again, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of Christians that are dormant right now. They don't understand what purpose is, don't have roots into yeah. a group of people. Because the Bible talks about the cedars of Lebanon. The Bible talks about palm trees all the time, things like that. Well, what happens below the surface of those is the root system is extremely strong and very intertwined, right? So if Ben's hurting, 
I'm a part of his root system. I'm hurting. Yeah. If Ben's excited, I'm a part of his root system. Mm. I'm excited. Sure. Right. And so we're doing church together. We're a part of a family together. We're part of a community and we're, we're, we're getting rooted together. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's cool. part of the concept of, of the church. I like that. That's really cool. It's, it's just, it's, it's growing. Uh, it's just fun, man. So you, anyway, I could keep talking. About no, that, no, that's fun. No, this is fantastic. And that's cool. Cause I mean, the, the boulder does run downhill whenever you talk about that kind of a thing. And, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I know the feedback I've gotten from the people I've even worked in the studio. Um, maybe not in the moment, but like whenever I see feedback on my like Facebook page and stuff right. like that, uh, it's very much like, you know, Ben was very like had a lot of great ideas, but was always receptive to my opinion. And th that's like the same thing you're, you're talking about. It's sometimes it's hard whenever you have a skill set in an area to realize that, yeah, my role here, especially as like a producer in a studio is to make the artist sound amazing. Like you're you're not right. the star of the show. You're you're kind of in the background. You want no you don't really want people to focus on like, wow, that producer was that awesome. You want sure. them to hear that artist is amazing. And so you have to be humble enough to say, you know, like I'm just supporting you and in, in, in what you do. And and I think whenever you have people behind you that are doing that kind of a thing, it makes it easier for you to reciprocate that to everybody else. It's like yeah. a re reciprocity type You're kind of, of giving them the spotlight and putting them on the pedestal. Exactly. Yeah. And then they can do that for, you know, other people. And then even the right. artists, they release that song and it makes people feel amazing. Right. They can listen to that in the gym or, you know, they get hyped up to write a paper or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, absolutely right. Yeah. And that's the, <clears throat> I think that's the, uh, the, the right attitude. I think that that's a, it's a, it's a attitude that, uh, that Jesus will talk about throughout the scriptures for sure. Um, you know, it's about, yeah, I, it, one of the one of the crazy things to think about is is the Bible tells us that one of the the, the second most important relationship or the second most most important person in our day to day life is our neighbor. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You don't think about that. You think, no, I don't think you know, about that. I, love God, love your neighbor. Us, yeah, some yeah. of us like build fences so we don't sure. have to see our neighbor. You know. Yeah. Um, but but the reality of it is is that. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? I mean, loving one, like the greatest of these is love. Like, so, so it's hard sometimes, right? You know, it's oh, yeah. so hard. It really is <laughs> yeah, so hard. It, you yeah, know? right. You know, so, so yeah, thinking about others first, man, it's just, those are lifelong lessons. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's not like love some people like, ah, oh, this guy, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, right. Um, but you asked earlier, so, you know, when does, when does that patience thing kick sure. in? Or when does that get in? No, <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, right. Right. It, I mean, honestly, you, you can, until I'm in heaven, man, it's just going to be a, a, a yeah, lifelong yeah. quest, you know? And so it's funny. I, I, a pastor friend of mine, um, in, in Nashville, it was, he was sitting with a, a large group of, of teenagers and He's an older dude, and uh, one of the teenagers said, uh, "So, Pastor, um, when does uh, when does lust stop becoming an issue?" And he paused for two minutes. It was one of the most awkward pauses like ever, right? And he's sitting so there. You going to answer the question? So he's sitting yeah, there by right, himself right. on the stage, and he looks up, and all he says is, "Not yet." And he's dude's in his seventies, right? Yeah, yeah. Not so, yet. so when does when does patience uh, become something that's second nature? Not yet. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right. Um, it just uh, it's something that that we just constantly work on, and it's like David said, man, how can a young person stay pure? How in the world that we live in, with all the stuff going on around us, yeah. how in the world are we supposed to stay pure? How are we supposed to stay on track? And his simple answer was, 
by staying in God's word. The moment you walk away from that is the moment you start to fall apart. And and how, you know, I guess, I guess how, you know, it, when you look at people who might be, you know, into the, the church or the church culture, um, you know, I, I guess, I guess it's looked at as um, just, you know, oh man, they have everything going, they have everything going against it, but then, um, but it's not easy, you know, like it's, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, oh man, they have everything going for them or they're, you know, almost on a pedestal in a sense, but you realize that it, that it, it is the world, like it's not easy. Like, yeah, you're, um, you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be of God, but you're not supposed to be completely not of the world, you know? I mean, even though, does that make sense? I mean, I know I'm stumbling over myself. It's not it easy, does. even for somebody who um, isn't in this, you know, it's still, you know, it's still not, you, you're still not completely removed from the world because you are in the world. That, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's that, like, I yeah. just did a terrible job explaining no, 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 all it's that. Like the older, you, it's like yeah. the old statement of like, you know, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Sure. Yeah. You know, that sort of right. thing. So, um, you know, the, the, there's people that we look at that we're, like, oh man, they must be perfect or something like yeah, that. And you trust, know? Me, sure. trust me, if you put a blue light on their life, they're horrid. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like any of us, sure. you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, so the we're all flawed. Yeah. yeah I know? mean, yeah. <clears throat> so the church does, for example, the church does a horrible job right now when it comes to how we treat people like homosexuals. Yeah. Right. Um, or anybody sure. for that matter. So there's a lot of, of things listed in that verse that, that uh, Paul describes as people that aren't going to see heaven. Right. 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 And we stop at the homosexual part, but it's also adulterers, it's thieves, it's liars. It's all of these things that if I put a blue light on your life, you got one. You're going to end up in there. Yeah. You're, you have one of them. Sure. Right. So what we want to do, and it's a huge, huge passion for my wife is that like we put our, for goodness sake, let's put our judgment badges at the door. Yeah. Right. Okay? That's not so, my job. Right. So my, you know? my job is to look at you and love you, the right. person. My job is to love you, the person. Sure. My other job as a pastor is to take God's word and bring it to life, make it applicable today and make it fun and make it entertaining. Well, oh my gosh, he just said entertaining. Why would you say entertaining? Well, if you look at the core concept of the word entertainment, it means to capture one's attention and to hold it onto a subject. I better make God entertaining. Yeah, I yeah. better make you want to say, I want more of him, sure. right? So if we make him boring, then it's a sin in my opinion. But to put our judgment badges at the door, to love the people that come in, we don't love the sin. We don't love any of our sins the closer we get to Jesus. Sure. We, we hate it. But the job of the Holy Spirit is to then convict. The job of the Holy Spirit is to then deal with that person. Sure. It's not my job. Yeah. It's not my job as the pastor. It's not my job as Your a job friend. Is to love them. My job is to love them. Whether yeah. it's someone that's who it. is a homosexual, who's a drug addict, right. who has you know issues yeah. with lust or whatever, you know, what right. have you. I mean, yeah. that's that's it. So. The only difference is, well, you know, how would you, why would you let them into the church? Yeah. Well, why would I not let them into the church where they could find the one true relationship that will heal them from it? Number sure. one, but just because I let them into the church doesn't mean I put them into a place of leadership. Yeah. Right. If you're in a known sinful lifestyle, you know, you're, you're not going to be leading a group of people. That's the blind leading the blind. Right. But if you're struggling with something, that's different. If you're seeking forgiveness, that's different. You know, so 
we are a part of the world. We are, we, we do have to be earthly good because sure. we're here still and we have a yeah. job to do, you know? So we are part of the world. We're part of the society that we live in, but we're, we don't have to love yeah. the sin that the society that we live in loves. Regardless of what it is. Right. I, yeah. I think a maybe a more secular way of putting it is just being too idealistic right. instead of realistic. Like I, I love ideologies. I think they're great, but whenever you mash them into the real world with real people, it's really hard to make that work. Mm. Like it's, it's kind of like not to get political, but it's kind of like <laughs> politics. Like when you're voting for somebody, like no matter who you choose, <laughs> they're not going to be the perfect thing that you want. Sure, right. Sure. right. It, it's more about kind of, choosing who most fits right right looking at the issues that are important to you looking at what they stand for yeah you hope then during their time of leadership they're yeah. going to maintain those yeah, right. standards right yeah um but that's all you can do is hope yeah you know and that's all the th- and, and that's how you can do that with... vote for yeah right exactly yeah, right but that's really all that you can do in any of your friendships like you meet somebody sure. and you're like, hey, this seems like a pretty cool person, but yeah. inevitably they will do something to upset you or sure. let you down. Because people always let you down. I mean, regardless of yeah. who it is, you know, it's some, you right. know, I mean, you go and, you know. Okay. So that, my, yeah. yeah. So that's what I would say, though, even so to the people that are sitting at home that are de-churched and that are just done with church, that are done with with uh, with Christians and, and that whole idea of has been heard in church right yeah. so people are going to let you down sure you know if you pay attention to a pastor long enough if that pastor messes up does that mean that god doesn't exist anymore if that pastor messes up <laughs> sure. does that mean that you're you know you were never saved right if that past if, if that person in leadership that you ascribed to messes up how does that affect your walk with god do you stay home right right so if if we're rooted in Jesus, which is the whole idea here, if we're rooted in Jesus, we know how deep and how wide and how high in the depths of his love for us so that when the winds blow and the hurricane force happens above the surface, we're so rooted in him that nothing is going to move us. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the whole idea here. Stop giving up on your dreams. Stop giving up on your hopes in God. Stop giving up in your faith. Stop giving up in all of that because... If you are, chances are you've looked at a human being. You've looked at somebody that you're not supposed to look at. Might even venture to say that your roots are into someone else right. rather than into God, mm. right? And that's going to hurt when that's kind of plucked away, you know? Um, we have uh, somebody that has, is, uh, has got roots into a person and is realizing it as we've talked about roots into God. Yeah. And so that pruning process where God comes and kind of dissects that rooting job that that, that person is yeah, put right. into another person, you know, to pull that out and to put it back into God, it hurts. But, but man, it's so worth it, you know, because in him, our dreams are realized, our hopes are realized, our passions are realized, our gifts are realized, you know, and we start to live again, you know. So that, anyway, that, it's just fun. No, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, you said, and I don't know if we caught this on my, we, cause we've been talking, you said you yeah. were an associate pastor at yeah. one point. Yeah. Um, where did this come from? You know, just the decision to kind of break out and man, I'm going to do this on my own and, and I'm going to, you know, like, this is what I'm going to do. God, 
Cause yeah, yeah, right. I mean, honestly, because if it was up to me, I'd be working at Disney World or something and just kind of like, you know, that's it. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean seriously, it, it, I told Ben uh, when I got here, you know, Paul said, when I think about the grand scheme of things, I fall to my knees and I'm like freaking out. Yeah, know? right. Like, I mean, seriously. Because the responsibility just in terms that comes of everything this, that you've kind of got. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, the responsibilities that come with this, man. It's just like well, it's, it's, be, it's real. beyond you. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. really is. It's real, and and whatever happens, whatever I do, I have to answer. Yeah. For one day, I mean, we're talking about people's souls. We're talking about sure, sure. lives of people. We're talking about marriages. We're talking about families. We're talking about friendships. We're talking about just growing people in general. Sure. What I can't do this. Right. And so many times David in the Bible said that, but he also said, but even though I see 10,000 soldiers ready to de just destroy me right now. Yeah. Yeah. If I am by myself and I know that the God of Israel is by my side, game on. Right. And that's, that's kind of where I am with it. You know, like this whole idea, this whole concept, all the things that, that, uh, we can't talk about in a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's all from him. It's all from just being on my face in prayer. It's all from 3 a.m. Bible times at my desk. It's yeah. all from just being quiet because right. that's where he is. You know, it's being quiet with him and not neglecting that time with him. Um, because, man, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. Sure. But with him, all things are possible. And so that's that's where it is. Um, so, yeah. It's the best thing to do is, and you were talking about, you know, quiet time and things like that is the best thing to do to listen and not to put God in the box or, you know what, he's going to do this or he's going to, you know, or here's my, you're treating like a genie and you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just more, more so to lead and, and, and to let him live. I think I kind of drew that from just kind of from what you said, just to kind of let him lead and, and, um, not so much put an idea of God in a box or a genie or, you know, something like, well, this should happen and this didn't happen. And, you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I was just say, stop blaming God. Sure. Right. So if I'm walking with him and I'm talking with him and I'm in the Bible and I'm applying the principles and the, the things that he has in there to my life, uh, it's impossible to put him in a box because right. he tells us that we can't dream big enough. Hmm. I mean, he literally tells us that. Um, so as we sit in Ben's studio and Ben thinks about all the things that he's got in here and what he wants to accomplish, he can't dream big enough sure. as he's walking with God, right? And he's putting God first and then watching God work, you know, that sort of sure. thing. And so he can't dream big enough. We, I can't dream big enough. And trust me, I got a big imagination. <laughs> I can't dream big enough about what God is, is putting inside of me. And then putting inside of many others that are catching this vision sure. uh, for, for Latrobe Roots. And I'm not even sure I'm going to put the word church after it. I have no idea yet. Like, it's just, yeah, right. it's at that that place, you know. But um, TB, but yeah. T, to be determined. I was going to say TBA, yeah, and I yeah, was like, yeah. that's not right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Latrobe Roots, but it's probably going to be affectionately called Roots, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Right. But um don't put God in a box, man. Sure. You know, don't don't think that you figured him out because he'll take you somewhere that you never thought that you would go. And I've told some of the leaders that I'm that, that are rising up with me that uh, wherever God has had you in the past in church, 
wherever God has had you in your relationship with him, wherever you've been, whatever you've known, wipe it all away. The foundation of who he is doesn't change. Right. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can trust him with your life. But whatever you've known, wipe it away because he's doing a new thing. He's doing something new. He is wiping the slate clean as he always does. What he did, what he did on the cross for us wipes us clean. We, we know that. But what you've known in ministry before, what you've known in church before, is doing something brand new. It's not going to be your grandfather's thing. It's not going to be what you've known as a kid. Um, let him teach you. And I, I always uh, say to people uh, in conversation, um, so what edge has, has, what cliff has God taken you to lately? Right. And have you jumped? There's people in their whole life that have never jumped. Mm. And it's a leap of faith. Yeah. Right. It's not a, just a casual <clears throat> thing. But when we realize that when we, when we take that leap of faith and he catches us, because I promise you he will every time, but it's scary as all get out. Yeah. When we take that first leap of faith and then that second and then that third, leaps of faith don't bother us anymore. We become fearless. Yeah. Right? And so there are people right now that are going to be a part of Lake Trobe Roots that are going to look at their dreams, that are going to look at their passions, that are going to look at their goals and say, I feel like if I don't take this leap of faith and trust God to take care of all the details, that I'm not going to live, that right. I'm not going to fulfill what I was put on this earth to fulfill. And God so wants to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, Dr. Charles Stanley uh, said, uh, said this, obey God and leave the consequences to him. What an awesome thought Sure. that in all things I can obey him. And whatever happens because of that obedience, whatever happens, it's not on me. It's on him. Yeah, right. It's completely off my shoulders. It's on him. Right? That's a that's an awesome comforting thought. Yeah. Yeah, it is. What well, yeah, what you're saying is so true. And like I I even think about the converse sometimes. Like if you continually don't take that leap when you get the opportunity you're just reinforcing fear in your life and it gets harder and harder every time That's right. to make that leap. Um, so it's just, even from like a humanity standpoint, it's, it's healthy to take that leap because it, like you said, it makes you less afraid mm -hmm. and it makes you realize that, Oh, most things aren't worth fearing. Most, most fear is just sure. worrying about what could potentially happen. Mm -hmm. Even if there's not really any proof of that. Right doesn't make it less scary but right right <laughs> right yeah but man if you're rooted with people if you've got a foundation of, of support you know around you uh, and then you've got uh jesus man like it doesn't matter you know that's i think that that's where a lot of the fear comes from mm. too is that there's no one there to help me there's no one there to encourage me sure. there's no one there to support me yeah. there's no one there to be my friend yeah right but if i know i'm rooted with people if i know that i have those friendships and, and that church family, if you will, the way it was supposed to be in the first place. Yeah. And then if ultimately I have that foundation of Christ, then I'll jump. Sure. I'll jump all day long. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Is that kind of all about listening? 
kind of listening to to what um, you know, maybe not what I want for my life, but but maybe you know what God wants for my life, or just kind of listening and, and being more obedient than to what than to think what I want for my own life. I mean, it's I think yeah. it's good to have those dreams and desires, but at the same time, I think they're trying to find that balance of listening more and and being led more. Yeah, we all need to listen more. Sure, sure. Right. I think that's one of the greatest qualities a human being can have is to listen, you know, yeah. Um, before you speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I've, more than I've, others. Yeah, man, I've, yeah. I've certainly learned that. Um, so uh, there's a principle in the Bible that, um, the people will tend to abuse that. Well, God says that if I ask for anything in his name, uh, yeah. you know, that he'll give it to me. And sure. I've been asking for this Lamborghini for a long <laughs> time. Like a long time. I don't know why he's not giving it to me. <laughs> I'm not even sure if he exists. I see I'm them on the road. Sure what's, yeah, like, yeah, right. Seriously, my friend got one. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, but I don't have one. This so person, but, my friends live in their dream, and it's the same dream I have. Right. But yeah. here's the thing. The closer you get to Jesus, what you ask for changes. Yeah. What you want changes. What you need changes. So I thought I wanted that Lamborghini. I thought I needed that Lamborghini. Yeah. I thought I was supposed to have that Lamborghini. And I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have a Lamborghini. But if what I'm asking for is so that I have yeah. and I want and I'm fulfilled and I, 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 sure. I'm not putting the kingdom of God first. When I put the kingdom of God first, and then he says he'll give me all those, all those things, you know, the desires of my heart, all those different things. When I'm seeking Jesus and when I, when I have that relationship with him, when I'm having those moments with him, when I'm applying God's word to my life, what I want changes to what he wants, to what he puts in my life, mm -hmm. right? To what I know is, is kingdom focused, what I know is going to help others, you know, things like that. Um, perfect example is my family loves Walt Disney World. Yeah. We are, we have a sickness. Um, <laughs> so we, we, are, we get to go to Disney and, and, and we do that. But it's something that I have seen where God has said, you're obedient to me. You do what I ask you to do. You take those leaps when right. I tell you to take them. You uh, support those in need. Um, you help people that need you know, whatever it is. Uh, you take care of your family members that are getting uh, you don't walk away from your responsibilities. Yeah. I can't help but bless that. Sure. Yeah. Right. And so a desire of our heart is to spend time together as a family in the Disney. Bubble. Right. Right. He sends us to Disney. I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. like the craziest thing in the world, you know, and it's constant and it's just, a, you know, that's a different podcast, but, <laughs> but you understand the principle is like, I'm putting God first sure, and he comes first. And, and so therefore you know what, maybe I don't need that Lamborghini. Maybe this Honda Accord is going to get me to the same place. Right, right. And then I'm going to be able to take care of people around me. And then I'm going to be able to bless other people. And then, wow, this whole giving thing is better than if I would have got yeah. that Lamborghini. Yeah, right. Wow, this whole relationship with God is a cool thing, you know, and it's fun. And it doesn't mean that I don't get anything anymore. It means right. I get things I never thought I needed. You know what that reminds you know? me of a little bit is like, you know, this past Christmas, especially as as you get older as adults, like you, you have more money, you could just buy things yourself. Yeah. Right. right. And so the question, the question that always comes up is, do I buy this thing for me because there's a really good deal going on or do, 
I just wait and 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 see if like you know somebody sure. else in my family or friend is generous and like gifts me this, and I just worry about giving or sure. buying presents for other people. And so it it just reminds me of that kind of a thing. Like my wife has I, an embargo on me. I'm not after Christmas. I can't because I because I'll buy it myself. Right. It's the same thing. Oh yeah, because we've been down that road before. Where the same. So I just wait until after that and. If it shows, if if it doesn't, then I'll get it after. I yeah, usually just, get it after my birthday. Just but kind yeah. of the faith and trust that, like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll get I'll get all the cool things that I want. And and but just focus it, on being and generous. And it's not just that. Like, do I really need it? Okay, you have Black Friday, right. and sure, right? Like, I can go without it, or maybe I can get it even after Christmas or after my birthday. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like, do I really need it or, or want it? Like, it's not really, you know. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to shift topic maybe real quick, and I want to hear the story of you know the WPP, like how that all happened, <laughs> how you how you became a drummer, because that's how that's how I know of you, I guess. Is that kind of where it started? You know, like yeah, you know, where that started, and and yeah, the, going the to Nashville and 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 all the music stuff. And um, <laughs> yeah, uh, how did I become a drummer? Well, my dad was a drummer. Um, and I grew up around music. I grew up around watching my dad play in bands. Um, my dad, man, he was just an old school drummer. He held the yeah. sticks wrong. I mean, just was all that stuff. Was he traditional or was he matched? I don't even know how Is to describe it. traditional? <laughs> traditional, yeah. Yeah, he was Yeah, he was definitely traditional. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would try to do it, and I'm like, no, so I'm going to break on my your wrist. wrist I you know, right. like, it was just ridiculous. No, totally. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, you're right. But he was definitely, he was traditional, <laughs> and, like, he had really cool drum sets. Uh, uh, I remember uh, as a kid, he had, like, the vintage stuff, you know, and... But I remember when you um, say when you say vintage, I just think Ludwig. That's what it was. Like it was Yamaha, yeah, 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 right. It was a vintage. The one Tom set off. Yeah, it yeah. was like a vintage Ludwig, you know, and and man, it just sounded so good. And uh, and I just I remember my grandfather getting rid of his old baseball cards and just like throwing them out. And I'm like, you probably threw a million dollars out, yeah, you know. Yeah. And and I just think about that with uh, my dad getting rid of drum sets and stuff today. But sure. um, so yeah, the. Um, I remember being about six years old and my dad was doing a sound check and I remember sneaking up there on the stage, right? And <laughs> yeah, sneaking right. up behind the kit and ended up just, you know, laying down a beat. And I remember my dad and a bunch of people turning around like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, and it was just from Hold there. Here. Yeah, 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 from there I just... It was the sickest backbeat. You <laughs> yeah, right? You know, it was just like, like six years old, man. You're hired. <laughs> yeah, right? And um, and then I played that night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my gosh. But no, I just remember yeah. um, just falling in love with it. Sure. You know, falling in love with the drums. And it's like one of those things where you know that, that God put it in your DNA. And it being a passion you know? for you. Yeah, yeah. just being a passion. And so I just cultivated it. And I remember some... Um, some some guys that I looked up to with the drums, uh, like I remember having an encounter. And my mind's going to different scenarios here, different things that. Sure. I, but I remember having a couple of encounters. So as a musician, when you're a musician, and I'll say that I, I've trained worship leaders and I've trained worship teams and things like that, and I'll I'll look at you and I'll say, look, if you're on this platform, if you're leading worship, if you're playing your instrument, you are a pastor. Yeah. Right? You are going to encounter somebody that, like Ben was saying earlier, like the drummers and all those, the guitar players, they get all the babes and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Right, Everybody right. Come, right? But then, you know, the, the <laughs> bass players get all the guys like, what kind of pedal do you have? Yeah. What's your stack? I'm like, man, I don't want to be talking to you. I don't want to talk here, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But here's the thing. What I discovered after it happened to me is as, you know, a young kid 
going to a Christian rock show with Mylon Lefevre and Broken Heart. And I know this is like going way back and yes, I'm 41, but, <laughs> uh, and then Patra and stuff like that. And just, uh, encountering these guys, I got to go backstage and meet them just based on contacts that we had had as a family when I was young and stuff. And, and I remember talking, uh, to and meeting for the first time, the drummer for Petra was Louis Weaver. And he was like, uh, listen, kid, um, we made eye contact during the show and, and uh, I winked at you and I know, I know Mr. Weaver. And that was so <laughs> yeah, awesome. Right. I'm like, I'll never forget it. He was like, I heard that you play. He said, you play the drums and you get good at the drums and you stay on the drums and you don't do anything else, but you just get really good right. at that craft. Right. And I remember that and I'll, I'll never forget it. Like, you know, I stayed on the drums. Sure. I learned how to sing backup. It took about a year to get my four limbs to do one right, thing right. and then the, and the then vocals, sing, yeah. you know, and sing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So that took a while, but I remember doing that. And so that was the only other thing that I learned on top of the drums. And so uh, just kind of dug in. Yeah. Like, just this dug is, in, you know, and, and I um, think that means a lot more whenever it comes from you know, like yeah, it could right. come from like your parents or something, but when it comes from a drummer, yeah, you know, you're like looking it, at it like, sure. oh man, that person's awesome. So think about this from a worship standpoint, right? Think about this from a church standpoint. Um, people will say all the time, uh, you know, I want to go be a rock star. I yeah. want to go be this, you know, I want to be on tour. Maybe I want to do, do all these things, yeah. right? I just want to play. But yeah, here's yeah. the thing that I discovered in when I was three quarters of the way into this. Right. Those people that are on those worship teams playing in front of all those people every single week are actually doing it. Yeah. Right? They're actually living their the, the dream. They might not be on a tour bus or something like that. They might not be like famous all over the world, mm-hmm. but in that place where God has planted them, they are famous. And so mm-hmm. why I tell you that you are that you're a pastor in those situations, when that person comes up to you, just wants to know about your stack, wants to know what kind of pedal you're using, Right. wants to know what heads you got on those drums, wants to know about your story real quick. That person is now vulnerable to anything you have to say. Sure. Pretty much. Yeah. Anything that you have to say. Yeah. And what you say as a musician that they're looking up to at that moment in that church setting or whatever, that will stick with them for the rest of their life. I'll never forget what Louis Weaver said to me as a kid. I'll never forget the interactions I had as a kid with those musicians I was looking up to. They could have said anything to right, me. Right, right. And I would have been like, that's what I'm putting my life to. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So as a musician, music has the uncanny ability to create a bridge between you and somebody else that a pastor, it might take them six to eight months to create that bridge. Right. Mm. But because you're good at a musician or at, at, a, at an instrument, instantly that bridge is made. Yep, sure. And so whatever you say to that kid that comes up to you in church, that's going to stick with them forever. Hey, kid, it's all about Jesus. I'm nothing without him. Hey, kid, make make sure Jesus is first. Hey, kid, this and like you're going to impact their life for God in a way that you never thought possible. Right. So you get your your thinking has to be different in, in those environments. But if you're playing at church every week, you made it. You're doing it. Sure. You're, and because I promise you, if you're in Nashville, you're not playing every week, right? You get yeah. off tour, you might not play for six months. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, it's just, it's the reality of it, you know? So anyway, that, that's, a, that's a big thing to think no, that's, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you, I guess, how did all of that evolve for you? You, you, you know, you 
got into it, you, you know, played in, I guess, can you kind of speak to just your, your history and the whole evolution of it all, you know, starting from the moment whenever, you, you know, Hey, dig into the drums and make it a priority and, and just how, how, just the whole evolution of it all. Yeah. You know, I think as, as a musician, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just part of who you are, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's in your, it's in your blood. Yeah. Yeah. God has been gracious with me when I've just right now where I've, I've put down the sticks and really for the first time in my life, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise other, in, in other parts of my life, I'd just be flipping out. Like, yeah, I can't not play, Yeah, sure. but the grace that he's given me to be able to now look at it and say, but now I'm leading people to Jesus in a different way. Like that's, it's been great, but leading up to that point, what man, was your dream but, at that point? Yeah. I mean, was, it yeah, I mean, just to, just like anybody else, man. I just yeah. want to play. I just yeah, want to right. go out there and play. Um, of course, you know, when you're young, it's like, I want to be famous. I want to meet all these people. Definitely. I want to, you know, be able to share the stage with this person or that person. You know, I mean, you just have all those thoughts. And, um, you know, I started to play with uh, Witness Protection Program and uh, just WPP. Yeah, WPP. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure. Were you not an original member or how was that set yeah, up? Yeah, I, I was. Um, oh, okay. So, um, so it was me and uh, um, man, some of the best musicians. I mean, honestly, I've, yeah. I've played all over the place, and these these guys are still up there, right? Um, yeah. And uh, we did some really weird things, man. Um, <laughs> like, like it just got to it just got crazy yeah, to a yeah. point where uh, um, the guitar player was really big into the '80s scene, and and still I just remember is him today. like he. He stands out in my mind so much because yeah. he was such a showman. Yeah, it really was. A he was, was like such Ace a Freely, nut. man. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. But getting off stage, you you would look at him, talk to him, interact with him, and it was like it was a completely different person. Yeah. Right. Um, we had one interaction, like I, I was talking earlier with you guys, where one band was like, "Where's that guitar player, dude? Like, where is he?" He was like standing right next to <laughs> yeah, me, right. and they were flipping out because he looked like he was a stockbroker. Yeah. You know, it was just crazy. But that is not the guy you had on stage. No, yeah. but like on stage, like he wanted us to wear, like he was like, "How can we be like Kiss and be like the Christian?" Kiss and I'm right, like, right. we're not gonna be the Christian <laughs> Kiss, man, because like Kiss wasn't my thing, sure, you know. Sure. Yeah, it was like that's what he wanted to do. He that's talked so me into one one time. Is he going to see them when they come through this year? Because they're what their oh, last tour is, yeah, is this I'm, year. It, if I know him, he probably is, <laughs> but um, uh, but like he it got to a point where we were wearing capes and capes, oh, dude, yes. like it, it dude, was you, crazy. You went man. out of weird, this almost yeah. sounds like a spinal tap moment. It was, man, it was like, <laughs> where's the stage? Like, you know, lost in the bowels of the arena, you know, totally. <laughs> I want large bread, I didn't ask for this. I want large bread, anyway. I'm gonna go down a weird, that's I'm gonna stop, but um. But yeah, I mean, it lasted like a show or two, and I'm like, I am not wearing a cape again. I he had a mask on me the whole thing. I'm not doing this. We're done. It's so funny. I feel like every symbols. I feel like every band is like that a little bit. You've got the one guy that, and um, I was, I was gonna share a personal story, and I was just deciding if I should or not. Anyways, but you have that you have that one guy in the band that's like, this is a really great idea. This is so cool. And nobody else is vibing with it. You're no, like, dude, it was, this isn't, this isn't cool. Know, I don't know about this. Yeah. 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 But uh, so we did that for a little bit and it was just, it was, I would say it was fun, but it wasn't. Um, but no, no, we, uh, when WPP first started, when I first came in, it was like a nine piece band. Oh really? Oh yeah, it was, wow. just, it was ridiculous. I mean, like what would you, what would like you consider horn? your yeah. style? The style because the way that I remember it, it was more like it was alt rocky, but 
or grungy, but it also was ska. I feel like there were ska elements yeah, in it. Yeah, there, there was, and it was... Um, that was big back then. Yeah, towards the end of WPP, we were we were recording with uh, Audio Adrenaline, and they're... One of my favorites, by yeah, the way. I yeah, yeah, and uh, their, their producer at the time, they wanted to sign us to their new label that they came out oh. with, you know? And so we are in the studio, and it was kind of... a it was a crappy moment where they looked at us and they said, we want to sign you guys today, but we want you, the guitar player to be the lead singer and the current lead singer. We want you to write, but not be in the band. Oh, and that's, he was, yeah, yeah. And he was the one that formed the band. And so we're all like looking at each other and it was just four of us sure. at that point. So we're all looking at each other and we're like, this is awkward, but Holy cow. Yeah. Right. Like, Audio adrenaline wants to sign us. And he just threw a fit. He was like, this is my band. This yeah. is not going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home kind yeah, of thing, yeah. right? And so we're sitting there and we're like, oh, now what? You know? And we, they told us we were like three or four years ahead of our time when it came to the music thing, sure. right? And the style and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so long story short, um, we recorded with some awesome people, met some amazing people, got some great contacts. Um I ended up moving to Nashville and, and uh, lived across the street from that very studio. And, and it was, yeah. Oh, cool. yeah, it was cool. just a really uh, surreal thing. But uh, once that happened with WPP, I mean, we had played with uh, lots and lots of people. We shared the stage with lots of people from Skillet to... Um, just, and that was like Skillet when they were first starting out then, if that's... Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. so um, it was Skillet. It was, uh, oh, goodness, uh, some just bands that I know aren't even out there anymore. Um, but we, I mean, we did, we played with, we played on, on the festival circuit. Uh, it was just, we were, it was well re received. Like you said, we were kind of different. It was ahead of our time, you know, things like that. And, uh, but anyway, uh, so once that kind of fell off, when they asked, yeah. uh, was that kind of the end of it right there? That's kind of the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just kind of like a, a, kind of like a divisive thing. Yeah. Right. And so from there, uh, the Aaron Greer band formed, which was myself and Aaron, who was the guitar player at the time. Uh, and then uh, another guy came on uh, to play bass. And then we kind of did the same thing where we would do the festival circuits. And we were, you know, right. we played with so many people from Super Chick to uh, remember Super Chick. You know, all that sort of thing. The, cra the, the, the one thing, um, we're, what was the, there was, a, there was a club downtown in the Strip District. I don't know if it was Diesel. Uh, or, or what have you. No, it wouldn't Diesel be Diesel. Was you in the strip. Oh, it was? was? Yeah. yeah. I saw Jimmy Eat World there. Yeah. So I saw the Death Zones there. So yeah. in, on one side of the... Uh, it was next to the fish market. Diesel yeah. was there. Yeah. Well, maybe that wasn't Diesel. So whatever club it was where you district, could split yeah. it. And on one side there was... Metropole? A, Metropole. That's what it was. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So on, on one side that. that... Yeah. On one <laughs> side that night was the White Stripes... Oh, jeez. What? Right? One side was the White Stripes yeah, that yeah. night, and then on the other side was uh, the Aaron Greer Band, Super Chick, and uh, Patra. Right? Wow. What? So, yeah, it was yeah, a crazy yeah. night. Wait, like a... like a. It was a double show going on in the same place, but they had this wall divider that would actually separate it. It was crazy. That's How far so along weird. were the White Stripes at that point? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, was that like when I, they were really like kind of blown yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, I knew some of the stuff at that point. I fell in love with a girl and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if you know Super Chick, whenever Super Chick was still out there playing, whatever was going on with the White Stripes at that point, that's what was happening, yeah, yeah. right? So, um, 
but the 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 crazy thing was um I grew up around Petra. That's why I got into Christian music. And yeah. the lead singer, John Schlitt, um, I I thought, man, was just the most angelic person I'd ever met. Like, yeah, he, was, yeah. he was like a grandfather. It was like unbelievable. Right. But then could get on stage and just sing like nobody else. Um, still can to this day. He does sure. solo stuff. But anyway, so crazy moment for me. I was on stage. We're playing, we're playing our set. And I'm so stoked because I get to meet Louis Weaver again and tell him how awesome yeah, of an influence yeah. he was on me as a kid. You mm-hmm. know, here you are playing a show. You yeah, know? yeah, right? right. And so, but he never get off got off his tour bus until it was time for the show. Um, didn't come up for sound check like he was fighting with the band at the time. Okay, and uh, he wanted to stop touring. He was the only original member of the band left, and he was mad at everybody because everybody wanted to keep going. And yeah, they mm-hmm. shouldn't because it was his band. You know that sort of thing. And so I never met him that night. But what I did didn't realize mm-hmm. is I was auditioning for Petra on that show. Oh, jeez! Right, and so like it was like a flip out moment yeah, for yeah. me as a kid. So I'm sitting there, and I'm playing this this show, and you know I told you it was like the animal thing going on. Right, yeah, I'm yeah. into the show and everything. And I look off to my left, and John Schlitt, the lead singer of Petra, is kind of standing there up against the wall, kind of jamming and watching me. And right, like, right. I like had heart palpitations and like what, what is, is going what's happening on right now? Yeah, right. Like I was, I loved that dude. You know, sure, sure. yeah. And afterwards, he invited me down to his house to uh, to hang out with him and his family and audition for Petra uh, with everybody and uh, meet everybody. And uh, uh, long story short, I was I was final three, and then they basically retired. Yeah. <laughs> and I never got to play with them. Oh, you know. But it was uh, it was just it's a cool validating yeah, moment. It was, it, sure, was yeah. it was absolutely incredible, and a lot of things that a lot of lessons that I learned through that too, and. Um, but anyway, so, but man, so Aaron Greer band that that happened for a while, and like I said, we we played with lots and lots of people, shared the stage with, with so many bands that we loved, and and uh, just made more and more contacts. And uh, after that, I, I left Aaron Greer band and I joined a band called Salient. Um, I think this was about 2007. I moved to Nashville, uh, 2006, 2007, and uh, played on. Uh, three or four records with those guys and uh, had a number one hit called my security on the rock charts for a while. And then we played uh, again, all the circuits and, yeah, right. uh, you know, the clubs and, and uh, had pockets of uh, lots of fans that, that, that was just fun to play with. And, but man, we played with everybody there from, you know, Toby Mac to Switchfoot to whoever, you know, just, uh, just being a part of those, uh, those shows, those tours, things like that. It was just amazing. Um, worked with great producers, uh, mm-hmm. just met lots of really cool people, you know? Um, so, so yeah. I, and then I, after uh, salient, I, I got into, uh, promoting, um, so yeah. I ended up promoting a bunch of shows uh, on the hits deep tour with Toby Mac and, uh, Chris Tomlin and, um, just, you know, learned that side of the industry, sure. um, it's really surreal to walk in or to get to a, a an arena and know that that arena is yours. Um, yeah. Whoever is in that arena, whatever's in that arena, you bought it for that night. Uh, and then, um, you know, at the end of the night, uh, doing all the, the business side of things oh, yeah. as the, uh, as you know, Toby's on, you know, maybe he's on the last five songs of the set and you're in the basement of the, <laughs> of the <laughs> yeah, show right. working with the arena manager and the tour and everything and just knowing where every penny went. And it's just, yeah. wow. 
you know, it's crazy. Just amazing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a nutshell, I guess. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's uh, a good nutshell. That's a good know? summary. But, uh, what, uh, what prompted you to move to Nashville? I mean, I guess that, you know, and, and yeah. it was a, it was a big, um, you know, but just, I guess for the people who might be on the edge and might be looking for a breakthrough and, and just those kind of situations like, oh man, I'm going to make it here. I'm going to, you yeah. know, like what, what would prompt you to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go to Nashville. And then obviously it worked out for you. This is going to upset some people. Uh, but I would tell anybody, musician, band, what have you, from my experience, and I've worked with lots of people, do not move to Nashville until you have to. Do not move to Nashville until you have to. What does that mean? Yeah, I was going to say, can you explain yeah, that? What does that mean? That means that <clears throat> I have to move to Nashville because that's where um, my work is. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where the tour buses leave from. Therefore, I have to stop flying from where I live to the tour bus. Yeah. Right. So it makes sense for me then to move to Nashville to be where the tour bus is. And see, I'm spending so much money going from wherever to Nashville. Right. That, yeah. Um, I'm doing recording sessions enough that it requires me to have a place there. Yeah. Uh, my band is being asked to move to Nashville. Yeah. By a label or by, uh, of people um, but to move to Nashville as a as a musician or as a band with nothing but a pipe dream it's a bug light for musicians and it's a bug light for bands right yeah it's like a mini uh, Los Angeles everybody's going there to try to yeah try uh, to make yeah. it right yeah. and that's the wrong reason to go you know I want to even say from my experience, which hasn't been nearly as much as you, so you can shed some light on this, but I feel like, especially for rock, Nashville's way worse of a choice to move to as opposed to LA. Because I still yeah. feel like in LA, you can still make a lot of connections and there's a lot of places to play. There's a lot of people picking up musicians, but it seems like Nashville is more the home of where the producers, the labels, and where people live. But I can remember rock bands I know saying, you know, we all live here, but there's nowhere to play in Nashville. Yeah. And no one comes out. That's such an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah, And no one comes. So if you're going to play a a club in Nashville, you're thinking, oh man, anybody that's anybody is going to be there. And that's never, ever, it was never the case. That's so crazy. Yeah. Like you think, well, I'm going to go play in a club in Nashville. I'm going to be downtown Nashville. Um, Certainly somebody's going to hear me. Yeah. It was never the case. (laughs) Like it's never, like it's just... Sometimes Nashville, there were, that's where the smallest crowds were. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, because everybody's there, they're home, they're trying to get away from it, you know? And if I'm a, if I'm an executive at a, at a record label, what's going to make me say, oh yeah, I'm going to go down to Fuel tonight and hear this no-name band. Like, I probably don't sure. even know there's a band at Fuel tonight. Like, I'm not thinking that way. Right. You know? So, I'm not trying to tell you, you know, stop dreaming, stop thinking about moving to Nashville, but go if you're being asked to go by somebody yeah. that will make a decision with and for you, uh, because you need to be there. And that's why I went as, as, uh, the band that I had joined and became a member of, um, was really starting to, to take off and, and starting to, you know, garner lots of interest. And it made sense for me to not be in Pittsburgh anymore. It made sure. sense for me yeah. to join them there, you know? Yeah, I and think so, that's I think that's super great advice for anybody and and for any walk of life really. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah and, and doesn't matter what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, I remember doing shows with uh, um, Sanctus Real and uh, the the 
was very very adamant which was uh, just blossom where you are mm. yeah if you blossom where you are and that's what they did they didn't move to nashville they stayed where they where they were from uh, which i believe was ohio um could be wrong but i think that's where it was but blossom where you are so that they can't help but notice you sure so you're you're overtaking yeah the yeah, market right. that you're in, the local radio station, the promoters in the area, um, they know that you have a fan base. When you have a fan yeah. base, that's what garners the interest. Yeah, right. You know? I mean, from a business and practical standpoint too, that's kind of the you're you're weighing you're weighing the option of do you want to be the largest fish in a small pond or mm-hmm. yeah. a small fish in a gigantic pond? Right. And sometimes it makes more sense to do one or the other right yeah i'd rather be the big fish in a small pond and make make the other fish from other ponds want to be in my pond yeah yeah you know Um, yeah i guess until you get too big for your pond because that can totally happen yeah right exactly and if that's happening people are realizing that you know people that make decisions are noticing that Mm -hmm. you know uh so yeah, that's that's just. I'm not, I'm not saying don't give up, or I'm not yeah. saying to give up on your dream. I'm saying just be careful be, how you go after it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I guess that's great. Not just that, but just in terms of taking notice. Um, kind of going back to your story about playing on your drums and 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 auditioning, and you didn't even know you were auditioning. Um, I guess how important is your posture? How important is I guess the way you carry yourself in terms of um, you were just playing a show, you know, and and you were technically auditioning but you didn't even realize you you know i guess and you've been around that world and, and that market for so many times you know and for so long um just how significant just is your posture and the way you carry yourself in terms of future opportunities that you might be that might happen for you yeah uh, your, your your posture and how you carry yourself is i think one or two on the list yeah um so we talked uh, before the podcast uh, earlier that um uh, if you would get to an audition, if you met somebody uh, famous or what have you, if you, like, whatever it is, right? if you're invited to an audition, if you go to an audition and they open the door, they already know you're good enough to play. Yeah. They already know you're good enough to be there. What they really are looking at at that moment is, are you yourself? And, you know, people sure. can tell if you're a different truly being um who you are yeah or if you're trying to put on a mask um but they're really looking to see if you're a good hang yeah honestly that's what it is and so if if you can if you have good hygiene if you don't eat like a slob right um if you are respectful if you have manners um those are the things that will separate you from the other players Uh, if you are engaging if you are a people person, right. if they look at you and start to ask you questions, really what they're doing is to see how you would be in front of a group of people sure. if, with a microphone in your hand and an interview. You know, They want to know, is this person going to make me as an artist or as the band, as the business, look like a fool? Can I put right. this person in yeah. front of a group of people and be confident? You know, um, So there's, they already know you're good enough if you're at the audition. They want to know if you're a good hang, if you can cooperate on a close quartered tour bus, sure. if you will show up to work on time, if you'll show up to the bus on time, uh, things like that. If you're reliable, like they want to, those right. are the things that are one, two, and three on the list. Four and five might be how good you are at your, right. at your, 
Because that other stuff will separate your playing. Right. Regarding, you know, drums, right. guitar, right. singing, what have you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's such an interesting concept of, you know, th that is definitely a thing in the creative and artistic world of like all, all the doors and interviews are actually just through making connections. And that's exactly sure. right. Yep. It, it's just insane. So like the more, I guess the more disciplined you are in your personal life, just to like always be on your A game. Yeah. Right. Like the better it's going to serve you. Yeah. Confidence and confidence is attractive. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So as, as a pastor, as somebody that is planting a church, like I want to make sure that, I mean, if, if we're talking, you're probably called by God. Right. So it's kind of like, I already know you're, good at what you do sure mm -hmm. but man i need to know if you're consistent in your life yeah i need to know if 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 you're legitimate in what you're saying you are i need yeah. to, i need to understand a little bit more about who you are and about how you operate and about your consistent lifestyle rather than yeah you're good at this or that or, yeah right you know, you know what i'm saying uh-huh yeah so do you fit well with other people you know, you fit well with the team that, that about just being kind Oh man, you know, I mean, that's we don't yeah. have, yeah. Here's a thought, here's a thought, <laughs> especially today. Here's a thought we don't have to agree on one thing to be kind to each other, yeah. Ooh. Think about that from politics to religion to anything. Sure. I don't have to agree on one thing to be kind to you, yeah, right? Yep, so yeah, well said. And in fact, yeah. most people are that way when you meet them in, you would think, in the yeah. real world. Yeah, right. Like, you you just generally... On the internet, it's a different story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On the internet, it's much different. But in general, people <laughs> want to be treated with respect. And sure. Right. So they'll do the same to other people. Right. Generally. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Generally, unless they're drunk. What? I, yeah, I, that's true. Too, yeah. <laughs> you drive Uber. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying from. That's yeah. what I'm saying from. Yeah. And, there's, <laughs> and there's two, there's two, uh, two things that will cause people to really truly reveal who they are, and it's politics and religion. Yeah, like yeah. They lose, people lose their mind. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. They just seriously, they lose all cognitive ability. They just lose their mind. They don't act the way they know they they're supposed to. They don't. Sure. It's just it's crazy. I, I remember um, I, I was interviewed one time for a position in a church. And the pastor took me golfing. Yeah, yeah. Like that was my interview. It was hmm. nine holes on the golf course. Did you shoot a good round? Uh, I don't remember. I just <laughs> that's remember. actually that's actually really that's a great idea because nothing frustrates me more than playing golf. Totally. Right. So that's what <laughs> he, said. Yeah. he said. He said the the, the the guy before me that was interviewing for the same position in the church, the guy before me threw his clubs <laughs> in the water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like he's like the golf course will reveal your attitude. I'm like, it's oh accurate, my yeah. gosh, man, it is wow. so true. It's accurate. You know? Yeah, I mean, if you shank a, a couple of shots, oh you don't want to be gosh. there anymore. It's like, oh son of, oh wait, yeah. I'm interviewing for a church. Hold on a second. You know, I mean, he's like spot that's, on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, right. So, no, never could that. Yeah. What what put you um, got into drumming? Went to Nashville. Played with you know a, a great background there what caused you to kind of shift and get into the the promoting aspect of it um just in terms of like hey i'm, I'm interested in this i was always interested in the business side of yeah, things yeah. uh for sure um when i moved back up here to uh, the pittsburgh area i did so because my in-laws were getting older um having some health issues yeah 
Now my father-in-law is strong as a horse at 78 years old. He's probably going to live to 150. Hmm. Um, but my mother-in-law passed away, uh, you know, a few years ago. And so just, just taking care of them and just really learning sure. what that means, you know, and so many, so many people neglect, you know, their, their family and man, yeah. there's such blessing in taking care of them. It just is. Um, but I think that, uh, when I came back up here, I got back into the corporate world and, and was successful there. Uh, but I was always interested in that promotion side. And so I had an opportunity yeah. to, uh, just from other connections that, to, uh, to start getting into that a little bit. And, um, went back to Nashville for just a bunch of meetings with, uh, um, other promoters and then the booking agencies yeah, and then developing the relationship with the booking agencies to the point where they would trust you to run their top artists. And right. Right. Things like that. And then That's realize, huge. And that goes back to what you said before yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. And then realize that, um, you know, just, just the business side of it where it's like, I'll give you Toby Mac, but you also have to do 10 shows with this new band that I'm mm, representing, yeah, right. you know? So like there was that, that, um, wheeling and kind of, dealing yeah, there. Wheeling and, yeah, dealing yeah. and just, you know, making deals and bartering and this and that. And just, the shark you know, tank. I love that yeah, show. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> and, they and come in. Yeah. We're seeking a hundred thousand dollars for a five percent stake in this company. Right. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, I'll give you fifty bucks for half of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> fifty bucks and a pack of gum. Deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's like we know you're gonna make about twenty grand on this Toby Max show. So I want you to go lose your butt on this band. Yeah. To help, yeah, prom yeah. To help promote them, you know, that sort yeah, of thing. Right. And so that, that that was part of it. So I just you know, I I didn't do that very long. Um I did it for uh, a, a couple of years and um Again, just learned a lot about the business. Yeah, uh, you know, that I thought I knew, but I didn't know. Uh, and then just, man, you don't think about all the people that need to get paid. Yeah, you yeah. know that you're that you're just that's, taking care that's of on that rider, that's on that list. You know, everybody that's making something from the arena to the the, the union that you're dealing with in that city. You know, sure. whatever it is, you know, it's crazy stuff. The electricity that you were using that night at the arena. You know, we're going to scale back next tour. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, crazy stuff, yeah, right. you know, but, um, but I just, I just had the opportunity to, to, to do that and, and, and took it. And then from there went back into, uh, uh, the corporate world world again, where, um, it's funny earlier, somebody said something about kids and about not traveling as much or, or something like that. And mm -hmm. I remember my son, um, who's now 14, my daughter's 18. I'm just, man, I'm getting old, but. I remember him crying and looking at me before I went out on one of the last tours and he said, daddy, I don't want you to go away anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, you have those moments where you're like, I got to either be a dad, yeah. Yeah. be really good at, at what God wants me to be, yeah. uh, or just live this dream for the rest of my life and sure. hope for the best. Um, and I'm so glad I picked my family. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, sure. Sure. Uh, but certainly there were some struggles there and that's probably a different podcast as well. But, um, but yeah, it just, uh, I just remember the one of the last tours I was on, the tour bus turned around halfway through the tour because they weren't selling as many tickets as they thought. Yeah. And so calling your wife and saying, Hey, you know that income we were supposed to have? Sure. I'm almost home. And you just kind of look at it and say, you know what? The industry's changing so much that it's not what it used to be. The money isn't what it used to be. Yeah. And so let's go home, let's take care of your parents, let's um yeah. I'm going to be a dad. You kind of get that moment where yeah. like, I've done this. I've, you know, I've, yeah, let me, sure. Totally. Yeah, let me go get my marriage back. Yeah. You know, stuff like that, you know, and cause you're away so much. And so, 
And then the financial issue that weighs on the family, you know, because it's like there's a what if scenario in Nashville that no one talks about. Yeah. And it's what if I take this show? What if I take this gig? What if I take this tour and something better happens? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or what if this tour turns around and I missed the one that didn't? You know, you're just constantly living that scenario. Yeah, right. And so, so we went, came back to the Pittsburgh area, and uh, from there, uh, again, got into the promoting side. Uh, left that after a couple of years, and then uh, um, went into the corporate world again. Made a bunch of money and was happy about that, but at the same time, knew that I was called in 2006 to be a pastor and yeah. to start. Uh, what we're doing now, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In 2019, so it took God that long to whack me upside the head. Man, <laughs> he's so kind. But um, <laughs> just remember that I was called to do that, and I just I felt it stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And then my son uh, ended up getting diabetes, type one diabetes, when he was uh, he uh, it was he was 12. He just turned 12. And I got a phone call. I was in Atlanta in a business <clears throat> meeting, and my wife calls me, and she's like, I'm rushing Ethan to the hospital. Yeah, um, Something's wrong with him. I don't know what's going on, but he's just lost a ton of weight in the last couple of days, blah, yeah. blah, blah, all this kind of stuff. And uh, long story short there, uh, they figured out he had diabetes, and they were life-flighting him to Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh Yeah, because his uh, blood sugar was uh, 800. Normal person is 80 to 120. Wow. His heart oh, wow. was his heart was uh, given out on him. Um, they thought he was going to brain damage, all those different things. But while he was being life flighted, uh, this was a defining moment for me. <laughs> uh, I was on an emergency flight home, and the pilot and stewardesses knew what was going on because I was a basket case in the front of the plane. Yeah, and um, they let me stay on the phone the whole way to the to the point of taking off. And as we were taking off, so was my son on the life flight helicopter. Wow. And so I had no idea if I was going to land to having my son or not. That's yeah. insane. And during that time, God was kind on that plane. He was comforting on that plane. The Holy Spirit is real. Uh, and I get emotional every time I think about it, but I just knew. I was like, okay, God. Thought I was in ministry when I was on the stages and presenting the gospel. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was in ministry when I was in the Christian industry. I thought I was in ministry in music. I thought I was in. Okay, I'll go do this. Yeah, yeah. You know, landed, got to the hospital as they were wheeling him into the NICU. And um, long story short, there he's he's uh, kicking diabetes butt and he's uh, living with it every day and he's just a great kid. Uh, but uh, here we are. And yeah. Just getting blessed like crazy because of our obedience, you know? Sure. And I'm, I look at guys like you and others that, man, I just want to bring you along. I want, I want people to just be a part of this and, and it's just not me. It's God. It's sure. just so much fun. You know, it really is. So Dang, yeah. that's great. And, and so often, like, you know, when you're younger, you think that this is what it's going to mean to serve God. Right. Like I'm not, Sure. I'm not there until like I'm preaching the gospel on a stage in front of a million people like exactly. Billy Graham. Yeah. yeah, right. And for Billy Graham, that's what it was. Yeah. But for most of us, it's... You no, know he hated that. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Billy Graham. Yeah, so yeah. Of course. No, Billy Graham, like, you know, he would, he was, man, he loved his family and it was the same situation. Yeah. He hated leaving his family to go preach. Yeah. Hmm. These crusades. Like the, it got to that point where he was like, I just... I'm kissing my wife. I'm kissing my yeah. kids, and I'm leaving. And I'm 
walking away you know and I'm, I'm i just don't want to leave them i think so that was very difficult yeah, for him i think that's natural for any one of our you know for my profession for you know ben with you and you know just leave you know and, and yeah. you know, with you too with all three you know i mean yeah it's a, it's a job it's a lot of fun it's great but at the same time i mean there are sacrifices that you're making you know at the same sure. time sure yeah. yeah if you're if your head's in the right spot yeah and, and so many that's times hard. Yeah, so many times it's like you're you're really serving God in those moments whenever nobody else even sees it. Sure, yeah, it's right. the the ripple effect of like touching one life here. Yeah, right. And you don't see how it affects everybody. Yeah, it, it, that's a great point, man. You know, so there's a there's a principle in the Bible uh, that God says that uh, the least of these, right, the least of these, God is going to elevate in mm. heaven. Yeah, they're going to have such an uh, amazing positions that we're going to have jobs in heaven. The Bible's clear on that, right? And so you think about people that like, we always strive to be noticed. We always yeah, strive yeah. to be big. We always strive to be a superstar and that's not who God lifts up. Mm. Yeah. He's going to use those people. And certainly those people will have influence, but if the least of these are going to be lifted up, we probably don't even know who some of the most amazing people are. Sure. They were in obscurity. And, and God stands up when they get there, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. wow, you know, so just things that we, that we don't think about that, that are in that Bible, man, that, uh, man can just change us and get us on the right track. Yeah, that's something so important to keep in mind. Yeah. Nowadays. Well, man, we could keep going forever, that's but I know that you have an appointment to make. Right. Right. No, it's, so yeah, sorry. we should totally wrap up. Yeah, we could go forever. Yeah. That. So maybe maybe yeah. another time. Huh? Sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You're definitely welcome back anytime. Yeah, definitely. It's it's been great having you on here. No, it's yeah, been incredible. Absolutely. It's been great being here, and I'm I'm very appreciative, and look forward to more time. Yeah. 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 No, thank maybe you. maybe even next time we can follow up and see how like how the church plants do. For sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really cool. So any time frame, right? I mean, I know you mentioned before, like nothing. Um, again, I'm working with, uh, uh, a denomination churches of God and, um, uh, just great people. And it's a first time working with uh, a denomination like that for yeah. me. And so I'm just, uh, just trying to go through the process, you know, yeah. certainly if they want to be a part of it, uh, uh, be a fool to turn down any kind of help and support things like that, um, guidance and wisdom. So it's a process with them. They just want to get it right. As, as they're a part of it. So I think the next uh, phase is March uh, 13th and 14th. I'm going through a, a meeting with them in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, from there, uh, I'm sure we'll have I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do actually in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I have no clue, man. Help uh, me out. You're going to go to Sweetwater. I knew where that was That's going. where their headquarters oh, is. that's right. That <laughs> you said is Fort Wayne I, and I my students are fired yes. up. She Every, said it. Everybody else <laughs> in the world hears Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they probably think most boring place in the world. But no, to every musician, that is Candyland. You can ride the slide. <laughs> you absolutely need to visit there. It is awesome. Did you ride yeah. the slide when you were there? Oh, yeah. Of course yeah, I rode the slide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll check that out. It's me, me and my wife. And so uh, that'll be fun. So you're not going for the meeting. You're going to go to Sweetwater now. <laughs> well, uh, to be continued. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> that's oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for being Ben's on. Ben's coming on yeah. the meeting too. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be, right. I'll be yeah. there. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you take care and yeah, thank until, until we see you next time. So. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah. Listeners, thanks for tuning in and we hope we've encouraged you to dream loud. We'll catch you for the next one. Thank you.